This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Great stuff. We're going to continue just on um, where we left off last week. Can I see who was not here last week? This is not a sin. I'm just like, see who needs to repeat. Okay. Okay, just turn around, look at all the sinners. No, 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 I'm joking, I'm joking. Um, um, remember that next week we have a combined service, our English and Afrikaans service here at 9 o'clock when Rick Russo will be here. Um, so we're really looking forward to that. But we've been talking about the song of the Lord. And the past couple of weeks we have the statement, we will never change the world by going to church. We will only change the world by being the church. When we realize that my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and tomorrow morning when I walk into my work situation, when I go and drive in the car, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I I have this opportunity to say what God says, to speak what God speaks and to be able to be be a light into the world that I am. I'm not just um, doing an event and a lot of Christianity has become an event thing. Um, and then we pray prayers like, Lord, please be with us. Oh, Lord, when we're going to be there, then do this, you know, as if the Lord is not with us. And so we've developed a dualistic system of the one day thinking like, yeah, that is very spiritual, but my work is not spiritual. You know, and Rick Russo will be, and um, he does a lot of community transformation. Amazing um, guy that come from Colorado. And, and he has like a course that he does on, on God in your workplace. He's going to actually do it in Durbanville, I think the Monday and Tuesday after the convergence, the evenings there. Um, how do I transform my workplace? How do I become a light in that? How do I change the environment that I live in so that it's not just a spiritual experience, but it actually, the kingdom begins to manifest in the way that I live. And they had this challenge where they said that there's going to be no orphans in the whole the region where they live, and with I think within three or four years, um, the church they adopted and and started a fostering program, and there's no more orphans in their whole region uh, because of a plan that they just worked out and said, "Hey, this is how our community is going to look and be impacted uh, for Jesus." And so, so when we talk about the song of the Lord, when we talk about this place, we said last week that Zephaniah says, the Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one will save, he will rejoice over you with gladness, he will quiet you with his love, he will rejoice over you with singing. God actually sings, did you know that? <laughs> um, I, th- I think it, you know, he has to tone down a little bit because the earth will shake because the Bible talks about the voice of the Lord is over many waters, the voice of the Lord thunders. Um, but God sings a song over you and he sings a song over me. It's a, and there's a lot of prophetic songs. The book of Revelation talks about the songs of the bride and the songs of the bridegroom. And one of the challenges for us as the church is when we start to be quiet, when we start to sing the songs of the world, or when we start to find the rhythms of the world, then we get into trouble. And so there's something that God sings over you and he sings over me, but also over a town like ours and over this nation. Um, and, and we need to align ourselves because he says he will rejoice over you with gladness. Now, if you come from a religious background, then your first perception of God is always like this old man with a stick up there and a frown on his face. God cannot be glad because God is so holy and God's character is holy and therefore he cannot change who he is. He is a holy God, but 
God brings uh, a joy into our lives by his desire to know us and to walk with us and reveal himself to us. And so the amazing thing about God is the fact that God is not selfish. He's not a selfish being because whatever we do in our worship and our response to him or our giving or, you know, then it doesn't change God. While every other creature created thing, when you give to that thing, it changes. Or when you worship that thing, it changes the, the object that you worship. But with us, it's very different. When we worship God, it changes us. Because we align ourselves with what God thinks and what God says. And that's why God can be God in our lives. I mean, because we don't add to Him. We don't, we don't change the Lord in that way of our worship. Or we don't switch the Lord on. And God hasn't got bad hair days. I'm saying that with respect. And so, so when we realize that I'm aligning myself with God, then wow. I'm actually invited to what he is doing. He's not invite, uh, you know, I'm not inviting him and say, Oh God, please come and be with me. God says, come and be with me. Are, are you with me? It's a whole change in perception. And then, then we encounter his holiness. Then we realize, yes, he loves us, but he's also a holy God. And unfortunately, especially in, you know, the, the church, what's happening, especially in the charismatic church, is, is we love to focus only on God's love. But you, you can't experience God's love if you don't know him as a holy God. Because he's different. He's separate. He is holy in being. And therefore, hey, I'm invited to that space with him. I'm invited to his story. And so we saw last week in Isaiah 54 that there's this beautiful song that... Uh, Sort of a prophetic song sung over and spoken over um, the, the Israelites um, after a great time of just heaviness and oppression. And then Isaiah begins to prophesy and he says, Sing, O barren one, you have not born. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. And then he says, it sort of speaks to the, this nation, and it's also a prophetic song of the church today. Enlarge the place of your tent, and let him stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare, lengthen your cords, and strengthen your stake. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. A beautiful picture of the church today. It says, sing, O barren one, you know. In a time when there's barrenness, when there's a lot of fear, when a lot of people are hiding, especially in our nation, now is the time for the watchmen and the people on the walls to stand up and say, this is what the Lord is saying. Because when the prophetic voice of the church becomes silent, then we're in trouble. Okay, turn to your neighbor and say, sing, O barren one. Now lots of people feel very awkward, like... Some of you enjoy that too much. No, no, no. It's not like a curse. It's just like, hey, whatever is barren in your life, begin to sing, you know, begin to release that. And so in Isaiah 53, we see this beautiful picture after Isaiah 54, the one we just say, sing a barren one. It's a result of what we read in Isaiah 53. And I want to read the first couple of verses there about Jesus, because Isaiah was one of the people that really saw God. In Isaiah chapter 6, you must go and read it. He was one of the few people that saw God in his fullness, in his holiness, in his temple. And it says, when the king Uzziah died, then, the, then he saw the Lord high and lifted up. And we see this beautiful picture of how he gets this 
moment with God in the throne room of God. And then Isaiah falls on his face and he says, woe is me because I come from a people of unclean lips. And I, and I come from a place where the culture is not so good. And he begins to say, and then, and he says, but God, you know, because he thought he's going to die physically. Because most people in those days, if you saw God, you would die. There's no way you could live. Yeah? And then the angel flies over in Isaiah chapter 6 to him and cleanses his lips. And, uh, and then God says, who will go for me at the end of that part? You know, and I think verse 8. And, and then Isaiah says, hey, me, Lord, send me. Um, use me. And then... From Isaiah 6, when he has this encounter with God, God sends him out. And he begins to prophesy. And the rest of the story of Isaiah is prophesying and speaking the word of God in the midst of a hard-necked, stiff-necked people that didn't want to hear. They didn't want to listen. But yet they would prophesy. And then we see these amazing prophecies that would come uh, for hundreds of years later, and then especially here in Isaiah 53 and 54, you know, he prophesies the death of Jesus and the fullness of Christ. He says in verse 1, For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, and when he sees him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He's despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus, him, the iniquity of us all. What a beautiful part where Isaiah could see how many hundreds of years later that there would be a Messiah. And then we jump into Isaiah 54 where he says, hey, sing, O barren one. Sing because of this sacrifice of Christ. And so our response to God comes out of a place of what he has already done. You know? It's not because we're trying to psych ourselves up. It's not because we're trying to perform. It's because we are responding to what he has done. And so when you are struggling to sing or when you're struggling to, to see what God said, God, show me what you have done. A lot of people talk about revival. But revival, the root word of revival is to revisit, to revision. A lot of people think revival is something we do to try and switch on God and then there's a Holy Spirit that moves and people fall on the ground. But that's got nothing to do with revival. Revival is to revision what God has already done. And that's why when we have a revelation of the cross, when true revival comes, it's not based on supernatural things. It's based on repentance. It's based on turning back to God. A people that turns back to God. And so run away from anything or that people say, revival, revival, there's a big move of God, but there's no, repentance isn't this, the center of uh, understanding of we're turning back to God, we're coming back, we're singing because of what he has done, we're singing because now we have a revelation of he was stricken, he was smitten for us, he was wounded for our transgression, he was bruised for our iniquities. The, the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. Because of what Christ has done, I return back to him because of his goodness. Amen? Turn to your neighbor and say, hey, he's talking about somebody that you know. 
It's you. <laughs> okay, but in any case, some people are very cold this morning, okay? So, so we have to pray and say, God, open the eyes of our understanding to see what you really did on the cross. And when you lose your focus or that revelation of the cross, you and I are in trouble. The moment when we surround our relationship with God about all the stuff out there and all the stuff that he does and not who he is and what he has already done, we get into trouble. I mean, are you, are you with me? Let your main thing be your main thing. And that's why it's going to figure out, you're going to try and I'm going to try to figure out for the rest of our lives, what did Jesus actually do on the cross for me? That's why we worship him as the lamb upon the throne. At the center of God's revelation is the lamb upon the throne. And so there are songs that God wants us to, to worship and to sing. And, and so just as sort of a sideline, let's go for a little bit of a rabbit trail, you know. Really think about what you sing. Don't just put on the newest CD, the newest Christian album. Because more than ever we need to sing truth. And you'll see a lot of the, the thing that worries me about the charismatic church is we've, we've, we've stopped singing about the blood of Jesus. We've stopped singing about the value of the things that scripture calls valuable. <laughs> so a lot of our singing has become singing the nice worship songs because it's nice worship songs. But it's not because it's based on the thing that gives us Entrance into the throne room of God, like the blood of Jesus. And so, so I want to challenge you, start thinking about what, what does the blood of Jesus mean to me and the freedom and the forgiveness? We song, sang a song, we song a sang this morning, you know, about the blood of Jesus. I am forgiven, I am released, I am free. And if you and I realize that we were supposed to be imprisoned and we have this freedom, he's bought us with a price. But that also means that he's got a right to your life. If somebody bought you with a price, it means you are not the owner anymore. Amen? And so my response to God is just a response of that freedom, a response of the fullness of God. And so then we saw in the Psalms, um, just go to the next slide, um, Psalm 149. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song and his praise in the assembly of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in their maker. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name with a dance. Let them sing praises to him with timbrel and hop. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the humble and salvation, with salvation. You know, do you think that God takes pleasure in us being here together this morning? Do you believe? What does it mean if God takes pleasure in you? <laughs> if we are just in performance, if we're just doing stuff because it's an event or it's another ritual or I, I, I just need to do it because that's what Christians do. But I don't realize that God actually takes pleasure in me being together with the saints. God takes pleasure in me when I spend time in his word because I'm, I'm hungry for him. I want to know him. I want to, I want to satisfy him. But in the same way, God Wants to show you his heart. The Lord will beautify his people. How does he do that? How does God beautify his people? By bringing his presence into your life. By bringing his glory into a place like this or into your, 
Just that the fullness of his, the Bible talks about kabot, his glory, his presence in our midst. And what an exciting place. I'm going to tell you a story now, now, but let's go on. So, Ephesians, and we left off, I'm just repeating a little bit and, and adding some more stuff of what we spoke about last week. But in Ephesians 5 and 6, um, as our theme is this year, to stand, and we're talking about this prophetic voice of God and how God wants us to begin to align ourselves with what he says. Not about what the people say, because I, I, I think here on Wednesday and Thursday, I read a lot of the news and checked on the, and, and after two days of just reading stuff on the news, I realized like, wow, I feel so corrupted. <laughs> because all the news sell is like death and suicide and this and this and this, and that one was shot and there was a bomb there, and I'm thinking like, is there no good news? <laughs> And then everywhere you go, people are just talking about, I'm afraid, and how am I going to do this? And half of people want to run away, you know? And half of these people want to run away, you know? And, da, da, da. and then I read like this article somebody sent me about everyone that wants to migrate out of S- South Africa. And by the way, most people that want to leave the country are not white people, it's black people. <laughs> okay? There's a lot of, a lot of people are in fear, and it's not racially orientated, it's fear. Because people feel like unsafe and insecure. Now you realize like this environment is a toxic environment that we're living in. But it's in that barrenness, in that place that God wants to release his voice. And he wants to say. And you and I have to decide. It's a decision every day when you wake up. And it's very real in your circumstance, in my circumstances. Like, hey, am I going to align myself with God? So in Ephesians 5 and 6 it talks about our battle, it, chapter 6 talks about our battle is not against powers and uh, against the flesh, but it, against powers and principalities. I almost quoted the scripture wrong, and then I saw Jan frowning at me there at the back. But um, the teacher orientated people, you know. But Ephesians 6 says, let's stand, and we're going to look at that again. But in Ephesians 5, there's sort of this this thing that that the writer Paul writes, another, the, the, just to give a bit of background, um, Colossians was the original um, letter that was written, and Colossians and Philemon, the two two books, should have actually been together. Okay, now Colossians was the original letter, and then Ephesians was a letter written. Almost a lot of stuff was copied out of Colossians, and Ephesians was a book written to a group of churches. It wasn't the, the church in Ephesus, and so this letter was going around to a to a massive lot of people, and people just passed it on. And so it was a very general letter, so you won't have like Paul would normally write to a lot of like individualistic stuff and sort out a lot of stuff. But he wanted to share some principles with the church as a whole. And it's a very powerful book because the, the book of Ephesians talks about our position in Christ. It's actually, I think the guy, Watchman Nee, wrote a book, Sit, Walk, Stand, being seated with Christ. Walking in Christ and then standing in Christ. Three parts of the book of Ephesians. And so we jump into the last part of the book of Ephesians where, where there's a lot of stuff that he writes about and some seems to be controversial, but it's not controversial if you understand the context. And so in Ephesians 5, he ends off this part and he says, then, so the, then see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Okay. How many of you want to be wise? <laughs> Okay, so it says, in this walking, 
In this process, because we spoke about walking in, walking in Christ, because you're seated with Christ, you first need to know your identity and authority in Christ, chapter 1 and 2. Then 3 and 4, he goes on walking in Christ. What does it mean? And he gives a lot of practical things. How do we walk every day? And now he gets to chapter 5, and he says, See then, as you walk circumspectly, walk, walk with wisdom. And he says, but you have to realize... As you walk, that the most precious thing God has given you is time. And therefore he says, redeem the time, for the days are evil. How many of you think the days are evil? (laughs) Okay. If you don't think so, then I don't know where you're living, but it's crazy. It's going all around the world. The world has gone crazy. Nothing is normal around us anymore. Everything has been redefined and people want to redefine everything. And so, so he says, you have to redeem the time. He says, you have to buy out the time because you, everybody's saying like, oh, it's spring. It's a September again. Time flies. <laughs> the years go like this. Your life goes like this, you know. And that's why he writes, he says, hey, you have to learn to redeem the time. Because your most precious thing that you have that you cannot get back is time. And every day is therefore a gift from God. Every day is like when you walk, walk, be focused. (laughs) Be intentional about what you're doing. He says, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then comes this whole part of the singing and the way we should come together. He says, do not be drunk with wine in which there's dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Giving thanks always for some things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. No, no, no. Giving thanks always sometimes when you feel really good uh, to the Lord in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, no, no. Giving thanks when there's really a breakthrough sometimes to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, no. Giving thanks always when it's going well in the country. Uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, no, giving thanks always when, um, when I've, you know, did my manicure and pedicure and I feel good about myself in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. No, no. Giving thanks always for all things. Thank you, Lord, that there's an opportunity in this nation for breakthrough. Because when things go worse in the natural, that's when you can stretch forth your arm to heal and touch and deliver. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have. It's just a different way of living. And that's why he says when we, when we live in this space of walking with each other, there's a song we can sing. There's a melody in your heart. There's a joy that God wants to release in the midst of persecution, in the midst of Tensions. Now, this afternoon, there's a couple arriving that had to flee their country in the Middle East. The pastor's couple, and they've been out of the country for two years. They just fled with nothing, you know. And talking to these people, and you realize, like, if everything is taken away, Jesus is really still enough. Imagine, and and let's use a scenario, imagine you getting home, and I'm not speaking this at all, (laughs) okay? Imagine you getting home now, after the service, and your house burned down, and there's nothing left. 
it will be like traumatic, but will your life still go on? What do we find our identity in? And so, so a lot of Christians are living there today. In jail, whatever. And then, then the question is, is Jesus enough? And so, so Paul is writing in this context. And he's saying like, hey, doesn't matter if you have abundance or if you're lacking something or wherever you are, give thanks in everything. It's a way of living God wants to release through the church. Otherwise, you can never see what God is doing. Otherwise, we're always distracted by our circumstances. And so, then he comes in the last part, submitting to one another in the fear of God. And this is very important to understand this part because there's a lot of people that want to sing, they want the supernatural, they want, they want this life in abundance in God, but they don't want to do that part. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. He says there's an urgency, there's a, the, the, the time is running out, the days are evil. But when these things are happening, these evil things, and I'm paraphrasing now, okay? See us as version 2019, okay? The days are evil, look at the way that you walk, be, redeem the time, buy out the time. But as the days are evil, there's a song God wants to release, there's a redemption, there's, there's a melody that God wants to release in your life. But he, he can't do that. Unless you understand the principle of submitting to one another. Unless the fear of God is the center of what you are doing. So there's a lot of supernatural stuff happening, but there's no fear of the Lord. And so the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And we should pray, say, Lord, release the fear of the Lord in our midst. Because the fear of God brings us to that place where we understand holiness. And now... I wish we had time because now what he starts to do is now he talks to husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Wives, submit to your husbands. He starts with submitting to one another in the fear of the Lord and then he begins to push the standard up there. (laughs) And then he talks to slaves with their masters. And then he starts to go on and he talks about the order of God. What does it mean to submit to one another in the fear of the Lord? He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Serve her. Give yourself to her. Don't dominate. Don't say, oh, wife, submit. (laughs) Submission is a beautiful thing, but it starts with submitting to one another in the fear of God. Are you still with me? Some people are frowning and some people are thinking, okay? Woo, you know? And if you think it's it's bad in our culture because, hey, oh, ooh, you know, does, is, does it say like the guys are more stronger than the girls or whatever, you know, because there's so much identity politics going on these days, you know? So submit to one another. Submission is a mutual thing. But it's beautiful when it works. It's beautiful when you realize where it comes from. Because there's a song that God releases in our midst. There's a freedom. And now listen to Ephesians chapter 6. Then he says, finally my brethren. Now this is after he just spoke about, he spoke to the husbands, he spoke to the wives, he spoke about to the order of God in the church and in the family structure. Because that song started with the family structure. It started with the house. Most of those churches met from house to house. And now now comes this amazing scripture 
of the armor of God. And he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, able, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand. It's an amazing scripture, but we take little parts here and little parts there, but he's actually writing like a whole thought. He's actually writing through a whole process. He says, I, I want you to realize that there's a battle out there. But in the midst of it, there's a song God wants to release. In the midst of it, the prophetic voice wants to be released. God wants to release it over your life. God, God wants you to align yourself and, I, and myself to what he is saying. And that brings such hope and that brings such encouragement. That brings also the fear of God. Because in the midst of that joy and that thanksgiving, it's not just about the breakthrough. It's not just about when I feel good as a Christian. I give thanks to God. You know, I was sitting with a guy. He's not here this morning, but I was sitting with a guy this week. And now we're like talking about the parking problem in Stellenbosch. You know, and after a while, the Holy Spirit says to me, you are moaning about parking, but you've got a car. There are many people that don't have a car. And you're moaning about parking. And I'm thinking like, conviction. <laughs> first world problems, first world moaning. Oh, the parking is so expensive. But you can pay for that parking. And it was just a moment where I realized like, wow, Lord, I've, I've just forgotten the privilege I have to have a car. <laughs> To drive and not walk somewhere. <laughs> sure. And so God wants to break us free from just a cultural worship. When it, when I feel good. When there's breakthrough when, hey. Cause we tend to be very negative. Would you agree with me? In, in South Africa, we know, we can, we can always see what's wrong. We can always see what needs to be fixed and, the problem is just then we pray around those things alone. Oh Lord, please remove the corruption in our country. And then our prayers get stuck in fear and God cannot answer prayers of fear. He can only answer prayers of faith that is aligned with what he says. And I'm not saying don't pray for our protection but if you're going to pray out of fear, how can God answer that? Because you're not aligning yourself with what God says. So prayer is two-way. Prayer is, Lord, what are you saying? And then everything inside of you, you align yourself with what he says. Oh, there's not a lot of amens here this morning. Why are you so quiet, okay? Is it just, let's say it's cold, okay? Turn to your neighbor and say it's cold out there. So the challenge is, is if I align myself in faith, if I begin to speak and I say, okay, God, I'm setting aside all these things, but I want to start to align myself to start to pray maybe for that unsaved neighbor and whatever you say, it's going to happen. So I'm going to start to pray. <laughs> I'm going to start to pray the word of God over my family. I'm going to start to pray and align myself because then... I give thanks for every opportunity that God gives me. And even if it's tough, even if it's suffering, even if it's challenging, 
giving thanks always in all things. Then I sort of align myself, you know. Oh, it's engineering week coming up, you know. Oh, it's so tough. You have the opportunity to study. Wow. And somebody else is paying for it probably. Your parents. Thank them. (laughs) All the parents are laughing. Yeah, yeah, tell them, tell them, yeah. But the entitlement, but see, we can never see what God is doing if we as, as Christians, and I'm not talking about blind faith. We need to have a reality check of what's going on. We really need God in our country. We really need revival. But we don't pray out of fear. We don't want revival because we want the fear to be removed. We want revival because we want people to connect with God. We want them to be free. We want this nation to worship God. We're not praying into this nation and into our lives because we want a better life. We want to be free of fear. No, we're praying because we want to be full of faith. We want to see the fullness of God manifest. And this is what Paul is writing. He says, I want a melody in your heart. I want you to start to learn to give thanks. I want you to start to release the prophetic word, you know. You can go read it in Ezekiel chapter 37. It's a beautiful picture where God takes Ezekiel and there's this valley of the dry bones and he says, look at this, are the the bones really dry? (laughs) And then he says there, (laughs) the verse 2, then he caused me to pass by them all around and behold, there were very many in the open valley and indeed, indeed, they were very dry. And now God asked him a question. Son of man, Ezekiel, can these bones live? So I answered. He doesn't answer the Lord. He just says, oh Lord God, you know. <laughs> I like that. You know, He doesn't say like, yes, they can live. I'm so full of faith, you know. Because just imagine, he's standing over this valley of dry bones. It is, he says, it is very dry. <laughs> And now there is the impossible. The impossible of the impossible is God begins to ask Ezekiel this question. Can these bones live, Ezekiel? He says, Lord. I don't want to sound a bit of un- full of unbelief right now, but you know. <laughs> you know. And then, um, and then the Lord says, begin to prophesy to these bones and say to them, oh dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. I liked it when Uncle Muching Muching was saying, you know, when he was, before he became Chief Justice, somebody drove down from Johannesburg, walked into his room, somebody that he knows and says, the Lord says, you're going to become the head of the judiciary in South Africa. And there's a call on your life. Stand. And then the person got in the car, drove back again. That was long before he was like, Appointed. He says when he was appointed as head of the judiciary, what did he say? Three or four people actually liked him. The news just spread negative things. Nobody wanted him to be head. Huh? Martinez, how many people did he say? Four people. Out of all the main judges, all the other people, everybody just said, this man is crazy. Who can appoint him? Hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. Ezekiel, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. And then Ezekiel begins to prophesy breath and life. And the bones begin to live. 
He prophesies flesh to those bones. He's standing there. And it's, it's such a picture of the church of Jesus in these last days, these evil days. Having the ability to speak. Having the ability to release God's word. Now Ezekiel in his own strength does not like psych himself up and say, Yeah, I imagine, I picture these bones running around. He says, Lord, you know. <laughs> Lord, you know this is impossible. <laughs> but hear the word of the Lord. And when you and I begin to stand up over that child of yours that doesn't maybe follow the Lord or that person that's been walking away from the Lord or your marriage that's falling apart, there's dry bones that needs flesh and breath. And they're waiting for the word of the Lord. <laughs> they're waiting for that. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. I want the band to come up. We're going to sing that song. Then we're going to take communion together today. And we're going to allow ourselves via, via, again with the word of the Lord. And I'm going to end off with a picture. It's quite a dramatic picture that happened to me. And a couple of guys this week as we were up in Pretoria. But I'm going to first wait them to, for them to settle. Because we, when you and I align ourselves with who God is and what he is saying, there's ability to stand. Because we don't stand in our own righteousness. We don't stand because we are all like these great Christians. We don't stand because we're better than other people. We stand because we've taken on the armor of God. We've taken on his righteousness. We, we've learned to take that position to speak what he says. To sing what he says. But the key is thanksgiving. Because if you and I don't allow ourselves to give thanks, we're going to get into trouble. Because we, our circumstances are always going to look much bigger than God. And, and I, I just want to say, the Lord is waiting for us. The Lord is waiting for you to align yourself into that position. <laughs> to take on the armor of God. To put on the armor of God. But when you, the, the weirdest thing, and we said it at the beginning of the year, when you have the armor on, it doesn't say, now run around, swing your sword, and throw the arrow, and just keep. He says, when you've put the armor on, stand. It doesn't say fight. Because the battle belongs to the Lord. This armor is different. He says, having put on the armor, learn to stand. Because you're not fighting this dramatic thing. Oh, I'm going to be strong in myself and I'm going to run against the enemy. Destroy the enemy. Just find yourself in the right place. In the right position. It's in Christ. And you'll see there's a lot of people... That are struggling with this submitting to one another thing. And I want to encourage you. There's no more islands. There's no more just doing stuff on your own. Learn to submit to other people. In the fear of God. Because in our mutual submission, that's when God releases the songs. That's when you learn to celebrate the church around the corner. The people, the other Christians... But before you start there, start in your heart, start with your own family, start with the small group that you belong to. Because maybe it's going well with you now, but what if the wheels come off? Who's going to be there for you? 
then you should have practiced submitting to one another. No, but you know, I don't need to belong to a small group because you know what? I'm, I'm too busy. But you'll never discover the life of abundance to come together with another group of imperfect people And it's not about our little Bible study that we do together, but it's about those moments with God. It's those moments when the breakthrough comes for my brother when I rejoice with him. No, no, but I'm too busy, you know, I I can't, I'm, I'm so busy with, but redeem the time. Redeem the time. What are you doing with your life? Are the relationships forming you and shaping you so that we can sing that song together? So that we can release the word of God over a nation. And so the story I want to tell is quite an intense story. But Monday, so I preach in Pretoria on Sunday evening. And then we slept over at Zane's place. Uh, Zane was like here on staff with us. He's now in Pretoria. And so the evening before we went to bed, so we were all sleep. Five of us were sleeping in the same room. And um, I'm not going to tell you all the details because there's a lot of stuff, but... At the end of an hour, so I dreamt a dream of stuff and the prophetic and all that stuff. And I don't really dream dreams. So when I dream a dream, I know it's from the Lord or it's because I ate too much meat the previous evening, okay? (laughs) Then I really can't remember anything, okay? But this dream was very significant. Because in the dream, I started to prophesy. And then one of the guys woke up because I was prophesying over him. But I didn't know what I was doing, okay? So so it goes on, but I'm not going to talk a lot about that part of the story. But at the end of the dream, so I woke up and I felt I had to pray for this one guy, Jechens, that he will understand that Jesus is coming back soon. So I started to pray that. I just said, Lord, I pray that that he will understand that times are running out and that you prepare his heart. Because Jesus, you're coming back soon. And the next moment, the Holy Spirit came into the room. And I started to weep uncontrollably for a longing for Jesus to come back. And I was weeping, and I was weeping. And eventually, everyone in the room just started to weep for more than a half an hour. And that happened between 2 o'clock and 4 o'clock in the morning. Eventually, 4 o'clock, we woke up and we went to the kitchen because we were so dry, we just drank water. We're standing there. We didn't know what just happened, but we knew that Jesus is coming back soon. He's on his way. And I realized, like, most Christians have got no idea. We have no idea of the times we're living in. Because we're trapped just in the now. And it took the Lord to wake me up 2 o'clock in the morning till 4 o'clock in the morning in that time when every el- everything else is not noisy. <laughs> and he gripped my heart in such a deep place. I, 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 I'm not a weepy type of person, you know. But I wept in such a way that I felt such a heart pain. But it was, not, it was like a longing, a heart pain that Jesus will come back. And I realized like, wow, we're not... We're not ready for his coming. The church is not ready. The church in the West, we're not ready. We are distracted. 
But when we allow ourselves into that space and we say, okay, Lord, I realize. I realize you want me to have a prepared heart. I realize you want me to be part of a church that is standing before you. (laughs) Saying there's only one king, there's only one Lord. So this morning there's an invitation. And that invitation is to come and sing the song of the Lord. To come and say, yes, God. I realize I'm distracted. And I'm not talking about being more busy today. I'm not talking about doing more things for God. I'm talking about the condition of our hearts. And you can measure it. I can measure it in our thankfulness. For me, there's a direct relation to your readiness for Jesus to come back to the thankfulness in your heart. Otherwise, you're not free. And I'm not free to sing that song. Because we've been trapped by the world. We've been trapped by our circumstance. We are so full of fear that there's no faith. And the Lord wants to set us free this morning. The Lord wants to release you to say, Wow, I'm not making these things my Lord. Or I'm not making that person my Lord. I'm making only one, Jesus Christ my Lord. But then you must be ready. Because <laughs> maybe he's going to wake you up 2 o'clock in the morning. He's going to disrupt your time schedule. He's going to start to come in places and ways that you have not thought. (laughs) Because he's not limited to our time and our space. Amen. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.